Come on, will you give Jesus a shout of praise this morning? Jesus, we love you. We magnify you. We lift you up. We declare there's no one like you. There's no one but you in all the earth. And Lord, we know that if you would be high and lifted up, you would draw all men unto yourself. So Lord, do that in Franklin. Do that in Williamson County and Nashville and Davidson County and down to Columbia and Maury County. Do it, Lord, in the United States of America. Be enthroned on the praises of your people. Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, that you would release, Lord, a new sound in the earth. I hear the sound of the overcomers. I hear the sound of those that have been to battle, but they're not coming back whining and crying. They are coming back victorious, bringing the, the, the spoils of victory with them. And I hear the Lord saying, I didn't just come to destroy the works of the enemy. I also came to spoil powers and principalities. And the Lord says that I'm about to spread the wealth of the nations unto my people. And that which has been held back, I'm about to release. For Lord, the Lord says many people have been caught up in the unknown. They've been caught up in the in-between. But I'm about to bring you into a transitional season that brings you into a place where you watch the transformation of nations. For the Lord said, I came to disciple nations in a day. And while many people are watching nations rage and kings plot vain things, know this, that I am on my throne and I am sitting not only in charge, but in control. And I am making every crooked place straight and every high place low and I'm raising every valley up. For the Lord says that this is a season where you're going to watch me work. For many have given up hope, but know this, says the Lord. This year shall end with a bang. For I'm going to begin to release the sound of fireworks and rejoicing. For many have endured the season of warfare. But I'm bringing you now into a season of victory. And many have focused on the hurt and the pain and the sickness that has, uh, has dwelled in the earth. But know this, 2021 shall be a year of healing for the body of Christ. 2021 shall be a year of healing even in the nations. And the Lord says, you're going to watch me come through the back door. You're going to watch me do things uh, offhanded for many have grown accustomed to the way that I've done things in the past. But I tell you that I'm coming to do a new thing. For the Lord says, do not do not compare what I'm about to do to what I've already done. For I've done mighty deeds and mighty acts and mighty works and brought mighty moves of God in the past. But the Lord says, I'm doing something new in the body. For the season of just ministering through the platform is over. For I am equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. I'm causing my bride to be powerful. And I'm causing this to be a season where I'm causing that the dross to burn away. I'm causing the chaff to burn away. And I'm causing fruit that remains to come upon you. For the Lord says that I am coming to heal your hope and I'm coming to put your, lift your eyes so that you can see the hope and the future that is on the horizon. And I just hear the Lord saying it over and over again to us this morning. Get your hopes up, get your hopes up, get your hopes up, get your hopes up, get your hopes up. Some trust in chariots, others in horses, but we shall rejoice in the name of our God. And I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, that the Lord is releasing the crown of the overcomer in the room this morning. I'm telling you right now in this moment that many of you are on a collision course with your destiny. You're on a collision course with your purpose. You're on a collision course with the love of God. And I just feel like right now the all-consuming love of God is about to fill this room this morning. Come on, our God is an all-consuming fire. And that fiery love of God is about to embrace many of you in this moment. And I just felt like the Lord said 
that this is the season where the Lord says, do not take your eyes off the prize. Don't take your eyes off the prize. Many of us have checked out of this year, waiting that the next year would be better. But I'm telling you right now that the Lord has some surprises up his sleeve for us. He has some things that he's working out. And he works all things together for the good of those who love him. And I just feel like right now the Lord is causing our eyes to be fixed on him in a new and a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe the word of the Lord this morning? It's good to be here. So good to have uh, my family, my amazing, beautiful wife, Molly, would be married uh, 21 years next month. And, um, and so she's awesome. My son, Ben, who's newly engaged and getting married in April. And, and so, uh, and the whole row of wags um, that I could take all day and tell you how amazing and great they are. Um, I think behind every great ministry is a great family. And uh, for sure, that's uh, the case and the evidence in, in my life. And so, so good to be with you. And uh, I don't know about you, but there's this fresh excitement that hit me this morning. It was the dawning of a new day. Come on, aren't you glad you didn't wake up dead this morning? I mean, it would be great to be in the presence of the Lord. I understand that. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But, but each one of us woke up with breath in our lungs which tells me there's something for you to accomplish today. There's something that God has in store for you today that is beyond where you were yesterday or any other day. And I just feel like right now that this is a season to get caught up in the gaze of God, to just get caught up in the eyes of God. Many of us have our eyes on the TV, on the news stations, on elections, on, uh, on all kinds of stuff. But I feel like the Lord is causing us to just change our view and change our perspective. How many know perspective is important? How many know the Bible says that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places? So you're not necessarily looking up. You're actually looking from heaven's perspective down into, the, into this realm, which tells me that each of us has uh, an answer. Each of us has a piece of the puzzle that brings change and reformation to the earth. And I, I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. God's not finished with America yet. God's not finished with Tennessee yet. God's not finished with your life yet. And this is a season to hold on to hope. I feel fresh hope in the room. Now, I was, I was convicted driving here this morning as I was coming down Old Hillsboro. Uh, the scripture that, that, uh, in the Psalms that David said, uh, let us enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. How many know that's a good scripture? How many know it should be a daily reminder? Because there's been moments where I've entered actually the gates of the new day with griping and complaining and moaning lately. Anybody else? And when you begin to, to, to get the view of thanksgiving, when you are thankful for every breath and thankful how the Lord has brought you through, it's actually a powerful statement. Whether we like it or not, the world is watching how we navigate this season. The world is watching how we navigate through what we're all walking through today. Uh, a few months ago, as COVID was, was sweeping through and we were kind of in a lot of shutdowns and things, uh, I was on my way to do just, just some recordings and I stopped at, at a coffee shop. I won't tell you the name of the place because you wouldn't think it was coffee, but it's called Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, and <laughs> y'all are a bunch of coffee snobs around here. So, but every once in a while, it's just good to get a good, bad cup of coffee. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I was going through the drive-thru and I gave the young lady my, my, my credit card 
I just said, good morning, how are you doing? And she broke into tears and I said, are you all right? And she said, I just have never had anybody be that kind to me before. And I thought surely in Franklin, Tennessee, that there's somebody who's been kind to her, but it was her perspective in the midst of the darkness and the swirl, all this stuff that was happening. And can I tell you something? Often we're looking for these great miracles to transpire so they can see people's lives transform. But it begins in the simplicity of the gospel. It begins in, in, in the practical things of God. And I'm just telling you that this is a season where the kindness of God is about to be revealed. I really feel like the body needs to be kind to each other again. There's a lot trying to divide and everybody has at least two opinions and opinions are kind of like armpits. Most of the time they stink. Would you agree with that? And so I don't need to hear my opinion or your opinion. I need to hear heaven's opinion. I need to hear a word from the Lord about what he's doing in the earth right now. And I believe that this is the season to celebrate diversity, even a diversity of different views. Here's why. I believe true diversity actually brings unity. Are you hearing me? And the Lord is actually building a bridge in this season. No, we don't compromise truth. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that this would be a season to stay at the table of the Lord and stay at the table with each other. There's a lot of people writing a lot of people off. And I'm telling you, some of us may even miss destiny because your destiny is connected to the people you're writing off. I didn't mean to spank you, but how many know it's truth? And how many know truth sets you free? And this is a season where God loves us enough to tell us the truth. It's what I love about my wife. She loves me enough to tell me the truth, even when I don't want to hear it. She loves me enough to tell me the truth. And I just feel like that, that's just the nature of God. He loves me enough to tell me the truth so that I don't stay the same. There's some major shifts coming. Here's what I believe is happening right now in the earth. All the idols are coming down. All of the idols in America, all the idols in, in the church, all the idols in the earth, they're, they're, they're coming down. What's an idol? Anything else I put trust in or faith in or hope in that's not the Lord. Anything else that I find my treasure in that's not like him. If you want to know what I believe God is doing through the remainder of this year into this next year is he's bringing us into a season of first love. This morning as I got up, I was reading Revelation chapter two. And in Revelation chapter two, uh, the Lord begins to speak to the church saying, hey, you've done all these things right. You've been faithful even in persecution. You've walked through all of this stuff and, and, and that's great and wonderful but you have lost your first love. And if you don't come back to first love, I'm gonna take the candlestick away. And I thought to myself, how often do I leave first love? How often does first love become a song on a screen? How long is first love just based on if everything is good and goosebumpy and rosy in my life and in my world? And, and I just believe that the Lord is calling us back to that place of falling in love with Jesus all over again. Are you hearing me this morning? The Lord is calling us back to the things we did at first. I don't know where he found you, but I know where he found me. I know the darkness he brought me out of. I know the pain and suffering he brought me out of. I, I know that. And I remember the hunger when I first got saved. 
I was so hungry for God. On my first Sunday morning of, 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 of being a believer, I went to church eight times. It was Easter Sunday of 1997. And I went to to a sunrise service. By 8 o'clock, I was with the Presbyterians. By 9.15, I was with the Dutch Reformed. By 10.30, I was with the Baptist. By noon, I hit a Spanish service. I didn't know know habla espanol. At 2 o'clock, I found a Greek Orthodox service. I'm not Greek or Orthodox. I found a non-denominational service at six, and I found a Pentecostal service at seven, and I was still hungry. And I, and I remember turning the TV on and watching a message by John Osteen, Joel's daddy, and he was preaching, how big is your want to, and talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember pursuing God with everything in me, and I remember going to church, and the only time I looked at the clock or my watch was to, to, to see how much longer we could just hang out in the presence. And somewhere we exchange hunger for convenience. And sometimes we exchange hunger for predictable Christianity. And often I, change my, I exchange my walk with God just to, to, to treat him like some genie in a lamp. That as long as he's given me what I want and I'm happy and I'm provided for and I'm healthy and my kids are happy and my wife is good, then, then Lord, you're the best thing ever. And I'm telling you right now, we need to get rid of this contractual, convenient mindset of Christianity. There is nothing comfortable. Are you hearing me? There is nothing supernatural that happens out of anything comfortable. The cross was not comfortable. The spit in the face of Jesus was not comfortable. The betrayal was not comfortable. Friends denying, not comfortable. But he let love overrule all of that. And I'm just telling you right now, the Lord is bringing us back to the place of pure love. He's bringing us back to that place of of, of the love of God being the main thing that calibrates us, that moves us. It's the thing that that, that caused Paul to go on his missionary journeys, to, to, to give up his life for the sake of the gospel. He was compelled by love. The love of God compelled him. And I'm just telling you right now that the Lord is about to release that afresh and anew upon us. I believe we're about to watch the majesty of God sweep through the earth. And in the process, he's about to create a majestic mess. He's about to create a majestic mess. Because moves of God are never convenient, they're never comfortable, and they're never pretty. Bodies flopping on the floor. Right? It's not pretty. But can I tell you something? It is life changing if you've been in those moments. And I just believe the Lord's bringing us from experience to lifestyle. He's bringing us from, from, from meeting Christianity and event based Christianity. He's bringing us into a place where it becomes my lifestyle. Where miracles are the norm, where healing is the norm, where prophetic words are the norm, where revelation flowing out of our lives is the norm, where dreams and visions and angelic visitations are the norm. And I just believe right now in this world where everything that, that's upside down is, is, you know, we're calling right wrong and left right and right left and, and nobody knows what's happening, but there is something called true truth. And his name is Jesus. Truth isn't informational. It's personal. 
truth is that he, Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way, and I am the life. And I'm telling you right now that this is a season where the Lord is about to show up in unprecedented ways. I'm thankful that Jesus is coming back, aren't you? I think we don't talk about it enough. But Jesus is coming back. But before he comes for his church, he's coming to his church. And he's showing up in our lives. He's showing up in meetings. He's showing up in unusual ways. See, there's some of us that have been in months of grief because we've missed the way things were. We've missed the way that church was. We missed all of those things. And there is no going back. This is a season of going forward. This is a season of going forward. And there's things that we've learned from what he's done in the past. But the Lord wants us to keep our eyes fixed upon him. And that morning I met the young lady at the drive-thru of Dunkin' Donuts. I woke up and as I woke up, I was singing the words of this old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As I came, uh, woke up singing that song, the Lord spoke these words to me. He said, son, if you and the church will keep your eyes fixed upon me, I'll turn the heart of the world to see what the church is looking at. I have a question for you. What are we looking at? There's days in the last few weeks that I've spent about seven hours on this thing, looking at numbers and percentages and results and reading articles and all kinds of things, none of which were edifying, none of which were building me up, encouraging me, pushing me forward. And all of a sudden, the light began to dim. Why? We have to understand our hope is not in a candidate. Our hope is not in a political affiliation. Our hope is not in a denomination. It's not in what we prefer. Our hope is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And everything else is dim in comparison to him. In 1997, I got radically saved and at the end of the year, the Lord told me to move to Pensacola where we lived for 20 years. Now, I was trying to figure out where I was supposed to be in the month I got there in January. And by February, I was frustrated. Anybody been frustrated in your faith journey? Like you've stepped out in faith and you think as soon as you step out, you're going to hit the Holy Spirit prophetic jackpot and everything's just going to happen like... I stepped out and then it's kind of like the, you know, the wily e. Coyote thing where you step out the window and it's almost like, and, and, and I was in that place where I was just trying to figure it out, trying to figure out where I fit. You know, one of the saddest things about this last season is people didn't know where they fit. And we all have a longing for belonging. We all have this desire to connect and it felt so sterile trying to connect through a screen. It felt so disjointed, disconnected to who I can relate to, who I can hug, who, all of those things. And it, it, was, it was a wild ride. And we all need to know where we fit. And I was longing back in 1998 to find where I fit. The Lord speaks to me about, he said, this is your year for Jubilee. I said, I know it's the year of Jubilee. I don't even know what that means. And he said, open the phone book. And there was a church called Jubilee. And I went and 
I walked in and uh, it was not my preference. There was forest green and mauve everywhere. If you don't know what mauve is, it's like if pink and puke had a baby. (laughs) No offense if you love mauve. You know, you're a first timer, so you don't know people. So you just kind of show up a little bit late. So I walked in, praise and worship was going already. There were flags and streamers everywhere. There were people, I remember the worship guy, he had like um, skateboard shoes and a, and a full suit with a vest and everything. And he's spinning, jumping off the stage and with a guitar. And I kind of thought I was at a rock concert and, and, and somebody passed by with a flag. It hit me in the eye. How many know if you have flag ministry, you need healing ministry? <laughs> Just caught me in the eye, and that wasn't very fun. And, and as I'm processing that, uh, I'm thinking, Lord, what's happening? And right about that time, the pastor stands up on a chair and starts blowing a whistle. So as a visitor, first-time visitor, <laughs> I asked the person next to me the obvious. Why does he have a whistle? And they said, because last week they took his tambourine. And right after that, so I, I thought I should be asking for popcorn. I felt like I was just watching a show, you know. And, and all of a sudden, the Lord says, welcome home. <laughs> now, I didn't like it. I grew up in quiet Christianity. I had a piece of paper that told me when I had to stand up and sit down, what song we were going to sing. I knew that the preacher had three points in a poem. Everything was predictable, buttoned down to an hour. We had a, you know, we had a piano and an organ. And once a year, or maybe sometimes twice if they did too, when they did the cantata for Christmas or Easter, you know, then they would bring out the whole symphony and orchestra and that was the loudest we got and now I'm in this place that is loud my thoughts were it was out of control my religious mind wants to go that's not decent and in order and the Lord says welcome home You ever get a prophetic word and go, wrong address? (laughs) But you're getting it like direct from the Lord. So you know the Lord doesn't miss it. So then you you try to get behind me thing. Like I was already planning my exit. And this is what I said. Lord, this is not my preference. And the Lord said, don't let your preference create a prejudice that keeps you from promise. That'll preach. How many know we all have our preferences? We have our preferences of what row we want to sit on. We have our preferences of what music we like and what stream we're in. We have this preference of how we like our house. You know, my wife is a polar bear. She wants to always have the temperature cold. I'm freezing. And, and I've just given up. Because if she's happy, I'm going to be happy. But it's not my preference. 
You know what's happening right now in America? Let me break it down. Let's, let's even bring it out of America into the church. A lot of people's prejudicial preferences are speaking. We have friends, defriending friends. Families uninviting people for Thanksgiving. And we are not acting like the elect of God at all. I believe right now, this season is not about an election and it's not about COVID and it's not about masks or no masks. This is really about the heart. It's really about the heart. It's about the heart of the church. It's about the heart of your heart and my heart. Psalm 24, who can ascend or who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with pure hearts and clean hands. Who don't lift their soul to another. And I believe it's a mandate coming on the church. Of pure heartedness. You know, you can't navigate the now or see the future. Unless you got a pure heart. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. If I don't have a pure heart, it blocks my view of my father. It blocks the view of what he's doing. And I can't see it. I can't discern it. I can't comprehend it. I can't hear it. And I believe the Lord is, is releasing us into a new consecration. And some of you hear that word and you go, oh, that's a religious word. Can I tell you something? Get over it. Whenever the people were about to go into something new, Joshua, Moses, others would say, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow we're going in. I think some of us are in the same place we were 12 months ago and we keep going around and around and around the issue. And I just believe the Lord is settling the arguments. He's settling the arguments that, that are somehow just dividing us. Isaiah chapter six, verse one. In the year that King Uzziah died, Uzziah was Isaiah's uncle or cousin, some believe. And Isaiah got to be a prophet to the king, got to live in the king's palace, drink the king's wine, eat the king's bread, get to hang out with the king. He had an amazing job. If you read the first five chapters of Isaiah, it reads like this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What was you? What was you? What was you? What was you? What was that? What was this? Everything is whoa, 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 whoa. But you get to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. In the year that everything else I put my trust in died. In the year that everything else I found my affirmation. I found my security. I found my provision. I found my platform, my ministry. In the year where all of that stuff died, I saw the Lord. And there's some things around us that God is, cause, is, is allowing 
to die in our lives. He's, he's allowing that to be removed from our eyes so that we can once again fix our eyes on who he really is. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. I think if that happened this morning, we'd all freak out in a good kind of freaked out way. But I don't just want it to happen in the auditorium. I want to happen in this temple. I want the hem of his garment to fill this temple. I want the train of his robe to fill this temple. And I believe right now, many of us are stepping into a season where God is bringing us back to kingdom authority. I say it often that the enemy cannot usurp God's authority. His authority is secure and set. But that's why he's always trying to question yours. And I'm telling you right now that this is the season to walk in the fullness of what God's called us to walk in. Are you ready for that? Come on, the church is the ecclesia of God, the senate of God, the government of God. And the government of God is always increasing. Do not exchange the government of God for the politics of man. Do not exchange the government of God for the, for, for the politics of church. The Lord has anointed us in this season to be light, to be salt, to be a clear voice. And the Lord is bringing us out of our confusion and into our right minds. How many know that the Bible says you were given the mind of Christ? It means you were anointed to think like heaven. You, you were anointed to think the thoughts of God. And the Lord is bringing us into a place where, where God is changing our thinking. I need his mind over every matter. I, I need his thoughts over all my thoughts. I think this is why we get distracted. We've been trying to search out mysteries without fully knowing Jesus. I have pastor friends all around the world that are looking for advice. What should we do? Should we open, not open? What should I preach, not preach? And this is the advice I'm giving every pastor. Just preach Jesus. Just go back to the gospels and just preach Jesus. Because so many of us don't even know Jesus. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that you're not a Christian. I, I'm not making it a blanket statement. But every day I wake up and I find out something new about him that I didn't know the day before. And I realize that you are the Jesus I never knew. That there's so much more to you. And just about the time I, I know you enough to get comfortable with you, I, I get another glimpse of your glory and your beauty and your power. And, and my view changes again. I've been spending a lot of time in the book of John. I like John. He's, he's the beloved of God. And he tells you over and over again that, that he's the one that Jesus loves. I'm hanging out in John. I'm reading John 10, which I don't know about you. I've read through the Bible, but I, I cherry pick. I pick my favorite verses. Sometimes even take them out of context to fit my current circumstance situation. I mean, I'll just turn around if you want to raise your hand and say that. You do it too. You know, John 10 I can normally go John 10, 10. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I'll come to give you life and life more abundantly. 
I use that. I can't tell you how many sermons I've preached on that, used it, quoted it. But when you read the whole thing, you get this amazing revelation of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he goes on to say that the shepherd loves his sheep. When the wolf comes, the the shepherd stays with the sheep because he loves the sheep. But a hireling runs away because those aren't his sheep. You know, more than any other title in all of the scriptures, Jesus refers to himself as the shepherd. He didn't say, I am the great apostle of the church. He didn't come proclaiming, I am king of kings and lord of lords, although he is. He didn't come saying, I'm the savior of the earth. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I was reading through it again this morning. I am the good shepherd. You know what a shepherd was? The lowest form of humanity. Nobody grew up wanting to be a shepherd. You only became a shepherd if there was some kind of talk about you. You were the lowest in your family. Most of the illegitimate sons got sent out to be shepherds. Lowest on the totem pole, lowest in society. And he over and over again humbles himself. The creator of the universe, the king of the world, over and over again goes low, lowers himself to the place. I'm the shepherd. And he loves the sheep. If you read to the end, Of that part of John 10. It says, and they did not understand him. I read it and go, that's so simple. But they couldn't understand him. And they say, he's crazy. He's not making any sense. And I think what happens is we get so theological. That we actually miss the person of Jesus. There is only one perfect theology. His name is Jesus. I'm not against theology. I, I, I love it. I love all the expressions in the body. But if your theology doesn't lead you into the goodness and the kindness and the love and the saving grace of Jesus and the power of his mind, all of those things, that, that, then you've got a minimized, compromised gospel. He goes on to say, I am the door to the sheep pen. If you understand anything about sheep pens, sheep were normally kept in caves or they were kept in these little pens and there were no doors or gates. The shepherd would lay in the opening. So anything that wanted to go in had to go through the shepherd and anything that was going out had to go through the shepherd. Isn't that good to know? It means nothing can come against me. Nothing can reach me unless it goes through Jesus first. And I can't even escape his love because in order to get away from him, I've got to go through him. I don't think he'd say over my dead body. I think he'd say over my resurrected body. And what I'm saying to you this morning is that this is a season where the Lord's about to reveal himself as we get ready to go into Christmas and all of those things. The Lord's bringing us into the fullness of who he is. Is any of this making sense this morning? Many of us have been in this place 
of, of confusion. It's like I, I had COVID last month and, and the, the symptoms the first four or five days were, were not pleasant or fun. But what's even been worse to me is this chronic fatigue and I, I call it brain fog. Like I know what I want to say and it doesn't come out. Or, or I'm, uh, you know, I get a little confused in my thoughts. And I think it's a spiritual thing and I think it's what's happening through the body of Christ right now. It's like there is confusion being released upon the body. And I'm here to prophesy to you that God is about to clear the air. He's about to bring us into a season of great clarity, of sound mind, and to walk in the mind of Christ. Come on, to think like heaven. Do you know what COVID does? It's an attack against the respiratory system comes to steal your breath. Let me apply it to the church world. You know who Holy Spirit is? He is the sacred breath of God. And there is this counter activity taking place. There's an attack against the physical and there's attack against the, the spirit of God blowing and breathing through the church. And I'm telling you right now that the Lord is, a, is about to show himself in such a powerful way. And the breath of God is about to blow. The, the breath of God, the wind of the spirit of God is about to blow through our lives and through the church in, in unprecedented ways in the days ahead of us. When I believe the days of pretty and proper are over. Because moves of God are messy. Moves of God are messy. you've been through SOSL, you probably heard me tell this story, or maybe even an emanate, or maybe every time I preach, I don't know, just act like you never heard it. <laughs> a few years ago, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My friend had planted a church, and, and he asked me to come and do this uh, weekend equipping on the gifts and person of the Holy Spirit, and so I went and arrived Friday afternoon, and Friday evening, we were getting ready to start, and we were just in kind of the kitchenette area of this little church, and uh, drinking coffee. And all of a sudden, this great commotion took place. And here's the, the pre-story to the story. There was a couple that had been a part of the church for about six months. They invited a new couple to come with them for the weekend. And uh, they went to eat. And after they were, left the restaurant, they were driving to the church. And as they were driving, they saw this man walking down the side of the road. And the people in the back seat said, oh, my goodness, that's Christopher from work. And so they said, well, you want to stop and invite him? And so they said, sure. So they pulled the side of the road. And they said, hey, hey, Christopher, you want to come to church with us? And he said, sure, and hopped in. As soon as he got in the car, they realized there was a huge problem. Uh, Christopher was three sheets to the wind drunk. He had vomited on his shirt. He had urinated in his pants. And uh, he was not in any shape to go to church. He'd been kicked out of three bars prior that afternoon. And when they invited him to go to church, he thought the, that the church was the name of another bar. He had never been to church, never watched church on television, and he was a Native American. Uh, and so he, he uh, comes there, and they're thinking, people in the front seat, oh my goodness, I can't believe, uh, you know, we're bringing this guy to church. And the people in the back seat are th saying, we got to do something, or our friends will never want to go to church with us again. Uh, and, and so they came up with this plan that they're going to get to the church. And when they got to the church, they would bring him in, get him some clothes in the lost and found, maybe some coffee, call him a cab, and then, you know, send him on his way. Well, Christopher had a whole different mindset. Christopher 
They get into the church parking lot as soon as they uh, open the door. He goes running out, runs into the church, hooks a hard right, goes running in the sanctuary, and comes to the front of the altar and just starts weeping and moaning at the front of the church. Now, on a, a nice elder named Jack sees him and realizes that you can't have a drunk Native American who's urinated and vomited on, vomited on himself in the front of the church when we're starting a class, a seminar on the person and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it would not make a good first impression. And so he picks him up and brings him back to the kitchenette. And he thinks he's going to get him cleaned up and some change of clothes and put him in a cab and send him on his way. And they walk into the kitchenette and me and my friend, the pastor are sitting there and I go, Hey man, what's your name? They said, don't worry, brother Dave, the elder. Don't worry, brother Dave. You ever hear that? Don't worry, brother Dave. We're going to get him cleaned up, get him out of here. It'll be all right. So that's not what I asked. I asked, what's his name? He said, my name is Christopher A. Cornstalk. That's how he introduced himself. I said, Christopher, how'd you like to be my guest of honor tonight? And so Christopher, we got him a change of clothes and he agreed to stay and he comes and he sits right on the, uh, on the front row on the aisle seat. And while I'm teaching, Christopher falls out of his seat, not under the power of God, he's drunk. And so he falls asleep, falls out of his seat. We help him back into his seat. He snorts, he burps, he does things that are worse than that. And at times he acts like he has Tourette's and he screams out words that shouldn't belong in anybody's mouth, let alone in church. And all the poor religious folks are going, I can't believe they've got this guy on the front row of the church. And everybody's scrambling in their seats and all of those things. And we finish the first night of teaching. And at the end, I say, hey, Christopher, you want to give your life to Jesus? And he goes, sure. And I make him hold his hands up because, you know, if you don't have make it look like a Holy Spirit stick up, it doesn't stick, right? You know, like you got to gotta go through the motions. You got to have your hands raised. And, and so I lead him in, in the prayer. And all of a sudden he hits the floor. Three demons come screaming out. And, and, and all of a sudden he gets up and goes, hey, where'd my buzz go? Ah, forget it. This is better. And starts speaking in tongues. And everybody's uncomfortable. <laughs> Especially me. And the Lord, I can hear the Lord laughing in my ear. And he keeps saying, isn't it great? Isn't it great? I said, yeah, I think so. But what's so great about it? He goes, isn't it great? He doesn't know how to behave in church yet. What will we do when the people who don't know how to behave in church yet show up? I'm also a little offended because I'm not teaching on tongues till two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So fully drunk, demonized, get saved, set free, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he freaks me out. He starts singing a prophetic word over me. And now I'm really offended because prophecy is the last session, four o'clock Saturday afternoon. And it's an accurate word. And if you're religious at all, you're going familiar spirit, but, but, but it's not true. He actually has the fullness of the spirit of God. And it's something. We think we got to go through these nine months of 
And you should go through discipleship, not say anything against it. But there are these moments where God just shows up and completely transforms the life in a moment. And when he does, we normally get offended because his, his process is accelerated over ours. We left there and we went to IHOP. Now, we were done being spiritual. It was not International House of Prayer. It was International House of Pancakes. And we come in and we're you know, drinking bad coffee and somebody ordered Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity, which I disagree with completely. Um, I just, even if I liked it, I couldn't order it. I, I'm just not going like, to, like you go to Denny's, moons over my hammy, like I'm not ordering that. And you ever notice when you just try to give it a different name, they're like, oh, he's having the moons over my hammy. Rudy Tootie, fresh and like, no, no, no. I just want the pancakes with the, with the stuff on it, with the, with, you know, the strawberries and the whipped cream. Rudy Tootie, fresh and No, 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 no. I just want that. Right? And, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, these drunk guys from a major Christian university walk in. And they, they sit down. There's 13 of them, and they sit at this long table and they are rude, obnoxious. They're, they're spitting spitballs at the waitress. They're being rude. And, and all of a sudden, my new friend Christopher gets up and he goes to their table, puts his fist on the table and just starts talking to him, just sharing what happened to him that night. He became an instant evangelist. He had those guys weeping and crying, getting set free and at IHOP which makes sense in Kansas City, but not in Tulsa. (laughs) The next day, we showed up at church. Christopher was there with about 40 of his newest friends. Some of them had grass in their hair. Some of them were scraped up a little bit, had like, you know, get the gravel from road rash. And I said, Christopher, what happened? He said, well, I was too excited to go home and go to sleep. So he said, I just went and found people who were like me. And if they couldn't walk, I just rolled them here. <laughs> His ministry started rolling drunks. That's what he called it, rolling drunks. And he about doubled the size of the church that day. You want to know why I think he did it? Because nobody told him he couldn't. I grew up being told that God didn't heal. God didn't move today. All of those things. That's why I purposed in my heart. I was going to raise my kids in the presence of God. That they would always know that God heals. That God moves. That God speaks. I'm telling you right now. That this is a season where the Lord is awakening something in us again. What if I were to tell you that today, the 16th of November or the 15th of November, I was a day ahead. That's what happened with your prophetic. (laughs) So you just work everything, my friend. You just work it, work it. Because I'm prophetic, I'm in your future. You know what I'm saying? So you're here today. I'm already in your tomorrow. So it's kind of like going to Australia. Uh, And... What if I were to tell you that the 15th of November, 2020 was the day of new beginnings? But what if I were to tell you that over the course of these next few weeks, these next final six weeks or so of the year, 
that God was going to turn up and show up in such powerful ways in your life and in your family and in your physical body and in your resource and in your finance and in America? Would you actually be able to believe it? Can I tell you something? Turn off the bad news and just get back into the good news. Get, get away from the bad news and just get into the good news. Four years from now, Jesus will still be on the throne. Eight years from now, Jesus will still be on the throne. Two years from now, he, he's still on the throne. And we're getting so caught up in the temporary that we haven't been able to see what's happening in the earth right now through eternal eyes. Some of you right now, God is giving you eternal eyes. There is a new perspective coming. Eternal eyes. Eternal eyes. My brother right there with your arms crossed in one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. What's your name? Ryan. Ryan, I saw the Lord putting like a captain's hat on you. And it was like I saw you on a boat and kind of you were wearing this shirt that said Lake Life. And I was like, Lord, what is that? Uh, and the Lord said that son, I'm about to bring you into a place, not only of pleasure, but into a place of rest. And I saw the Lord bringing you into a place of what was like a hobby is going to become holy for you. And I just felt like the Lord said that I'm bringing you out upon the waters. I kept hearing that old Hillsong song. Uh, I'll take bring you out upon the waters. And I just felt like just the waters around your life are beginning to stir. And I felt that it represented the gifts of the Spirit operating in your life. But I also felt like the Lord said, this is a season where the Lord is about to invest in the ideas which are connected to the desires of your heart. And I just felt like the, the Lord trusts you at the helm, like he trusted you to navigate the waters. And I just felt like how you're navigating the now is, is really going to set you up for the next. And I just felt like that this is a season where he wants you to know you're not going to go it alone. And it's like I saw the Lord putting people around you and I saw all the dots being connected. And I just felt like that this is going to be a season of joy beyond your wildest dreams. And it's going to, I felt like there's a part in you that you're going to say, I feel complete. And I, I, felt, I felt you complete, but I also felt that joy that's complete, Ryan. And so I just bless you with that today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, eternal eyes. Eternal eyes. Eternal eyes. I need to see things the way Jesus sees them. Buddy, right there on the second row. I watched you come in, sit there today, and I saw the hand of the Lord come upon you, and he put a shepherd's rod in your hand, and I saw the anointing to pastor people. I saw you sometimes doing it one at a time and sometimes in big groups, but I feel like you're going to be an amazing preacher, an amazing gift to communicate, not just the word of God, but actually the heart of God, and I just felt like the thing that you have and carry the most is the heart. Like I just feel like when you speak, People will go, that came straight from the heart. And I just felt like that, that, that pastoral gift and the prophetic gift will flow back and forth. And I feel like you know more than what you say sometimes, even, even around your friends. And I just felt like that God is going is to put not just good friends, but God friends around you. And I just feel like that you are, you're a champion of faith. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about, uh, it talks about the, we call it the hall of faith. Right? So there's Moses and Abraham and all those cool dudes, and you're right up there with them because you're a man that has great faith. And so, Lord, I thank you right now just for the gift of faith operating in your son today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.
eternal eyes. You know, there's been a lot of talk about fear. I've never heard so many or preached so many fear messages in my life than in the last seven or eight months. And here's what the Lord's saying. Stop talking about the fear and start talking about the future. Every time I quote this scripture, somebody comes up to me afterwards and tells me I took it out of context. But I believe it's in perfect context what I'm about to say. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a hope and a future. And some of you this morning, God wants to heal your hope for the future. Some of you don't know how next year is going to look and there's all these talks about more shutdowns and you're worried how it's going to happen in your business and all of those things. Can I tell you something? The Lord sees up ahead and he provides. How many know what the Lord's given me isn't mine anyway? I'm just a steward. You know, when Jesus is Lord of your business, of your finance, and of your life, he takes full ownership of it. I can't afford to own anything. Something breaks down, Lord, it's yours. I mean, if you want the testimony to be broken down, that's up to you. How many know what I'm saying? And what's happening is this we, we get so fixed on the temporary. There's not one of us in this room that's been abandoned by God. There's not one of us in this room whose songs we are singing tonight isn't true. In all my life, you have been faithful. In all my life, you have been so, so good. When I was bad, he was still good. When I was at my worst, still at his best. When I was faithless, he was still faithful. And I just feel like somehow there's this divine reset and recalibration that's coming. You ever been in a place where you just felt like God was too late? Martha felt that way in John 11. Lazarus was dead. Runs to Jesus. Jesus would have showed up earlier. My brother wouldn't have died. Jesus said he's not dead. He's just asleep. And he wept. I'm thankful that Jesus wept. Because a God who's never wept can't wipe away my tears. He shows up. He says, Lazarus, come forth. I was pondering this this morning. When did Lazarus get raised from the dead? When he said, come forth, or when he said, this sickness is not unto death? He's not dead. He's only sleeping. I think Lazarus was probably just sitting up waiting for Jesus to come there and somebody to roll away the stone. The word was working before the evidence was seen. How many know it always seems darkest right before the dawn? And I'm here to tell you right now that this is a season where God's bringing us out of darkness into the glorious light like we've never seen it before.
crossing over. But I've got to see things God's way. As I close, preaching two of my fastest messages ever. Kinda. Means you got 17 minutes left if you want to know what. When I say, and when I continue to close, that means you got about 12. <laughs> when I say in conclusion, you got five. All right, so work with me. Now it won't take that long. A few years ago, I was in Australia and uh, I went up, uh, I was preaching at a, an amazing conference there. And um, I left the first day, I was going back to the, the pastor that I was staying at his house. I was staying kind of upstairs in the second level of his house. And uh, I was having some back problems from the, from the trip and some uh, jet lag. And I had all of this anxiety and, and uh, fear. And I was kind of like comparing myself to the other speakers on the thing. And I felt like I flopped my first session. And uh, just all kinds of insecurity swirling. And I was laying down to take a nap. And as I laid down, the, the door didn't shut properly. So it was like a quarter of the way open. I could see the stairway. And as the stairs were coming, uh, I could see the stairs. I'm laying in the bed. All of a sudden, I see this image of Jesus. Jesus is walking up the steps to me. And he turns and he comes in the room. And he looked different to me than I've ever seen him look. He was very determined and almost to the place of where he, he looked angry, but he wasn't. He was just being very direct. And he just said to me, David, I want my stuff back. And I was like, take the car, take the house, take the dogs. Please take the dogs. Um, <laughs> you, know, take, you know, whatever you want, just take it, Lord. It all belongs to you anyway. He said, no, not that stuff. I gave you that stuff. I said, even the dogs? Uh, and, and He said, no, I gave you all that stuff. But that insecurity... That doesn't belong to you. That belongs to me. I took it on the cross. That fear, that questioning, that doubting, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. I took it when I took the crown of thorns upon my head. That pain in your back, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. And I want my stuff back. And in that moment, there was like this divine exchange with the Lord. And all I can tell you is the peace that comes. Is, is, is unspeakable. It's amazing. Here's what happens. A lot of us this morning are carrying stuff that doesn't belong to us. All the worry, all the fear, all the disappointment, the doubt, the depression, the pain. And if you just give it to the Lord, I promise you he'll take it from you today. There's healing in the room. All the confusion what's going to happen next. Give it to the Lord right now. He wants his stuff back. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? That's what Jesus does. He just steps in and he changes everything in a moment's time. In a moment's time. I believe we're stepping into this moment. I believe we're stepping into God moments with him like we've never seen before. There's many of us in the room and we find ourselves in a place of frustration. And a place of frustration comes because we feel all kinds of tension. Tension doesn't mean something's wrong. It just means something's happening. I found in myself over the last few weeks and months going, what's wrong? 
That's the wrong question. I realized I wasn't getting the right answers because I was asking the wrong question. It's not what's wrong. It's what's happening. And when I know what's happening, I'll realize, oh man, God, if this is happening, it means you're about to do this. And I want to partner with you to bring healing in the midst of this situation and circumstance. I want to partner with you to bring restoration and redemption in the midst of this circumstance. So I don't want to ask you the question, what's wrong today? I want to ask you what's happening. Because what's happening is going to determine what you need. If you're sick, you need a healer. If you're bound up, you need a deliverer. His name's Jesus. He's in the room. If you're broke, you need a provider. That's who he is. And everything we need him to be, he already is. I know maybe this is, seems so practical today, but I believe it's highly prophetic what I've been sharing with you. I found myself in a lot of tension lately. Some of the tension is this. What do you do with the tension of when you're stuck in between what you believe and what you're experiencing? I believe Jesus is a healer. I believe Jesus restores relationships. I believe that Jesus is a deliverer. I believe that Jesus raises the dead. I believe all of those things with all of my heart. And yet I watch sickness come across people I love. I watch people I love go home to be with the Lord without my permission or input. I've watched people walk through horrific things, even in the last couple of days. And there's a tension for me. And the way you get out of that tension is you move from the what to the who. It's not just what I believe, it's who I believe. And some of us have had our minds hijacked in the last few weeks and months. And it's led us down a pathway of frustration. And today the Lord is bringing us from frustration to clarity. He's bringing us from that place of the unknown into the well-known. Because what's unknown to me is well-known to him. Can anybody relate to the frustration? Can anybody relate to the tension? Can I tell you something? This is not a season to pull back. But this is a season to press forward. Come on, we are those who believe. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. We are not of those who shrink back. We are those who believe even to the tearing down of strongholds. And I'm telling you that idols and strongholds are about to come down in our region. They're about to come down in the nation. They're about to come down over our lives. and our, We're about to watch so much freedom. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know the news isn't declaring it, but I have a more sure word of prophecy. His name is Jesus, who knows the end from the beginning. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. And if you don't know where you're at, go back to the beginning of the story because that will dictate how you get to the end of the story. Some of us need to go back to the beginning in order to, to, to realize where we're going in the future. Because he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. But the Lord spoke to me this morning. He said, I'm not the God of halfway. I didn't call the church a halfway house. I didn't call you halfway. I didn't just bring you halfway into the promises and go, I guess it didn't work out. But all of his promises are yes and amen. I quote it often. I'll quote it to my last breath. One of my life verses. 
Hebrews 10, 23, as I really do close. Three minutes. Let us hold fast. Our confession again to hope. Because he who made the promise is faithful. And the Lord's about to heal hope so that you can believe again. I have a friend who's a great faith teacher. And lately he said, I've been trying to teach on faith. And every time I teach on faith, it's like the wind goes out of the room. People check out. There's no response. He said, I used to preach on faith. People get healed. All kinds of stuff would happen. And now nothing happens. He said, can you tell me what's going on? And I said, I feel like your people can't receive faith because they lost their hope. And faith begins with hope. I believe the enemy has been trying to steal your faith by stealing your hope. Proverbs 13 and 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And the Lord's about to take you from hope deferred to promise fulfilled. Do you believe that this morning? Come on, I believe that the Lord is commissioning us again to be his voice, to be the light, to be the salt of the earth, to bring hope to the nation and the nations of the earth. And I I believe right now, the Lord's about to stir up joy in you again, faith in you again, hope in you again, life in you again. Come on, if you're struggling with frustration or you find yourself, even you're carrying things that you, when I said, God wants my, Jesus said, I want my stuff back, that hit a nerve in you. I want you just to stand to your feet right now. And I just, whatever it is, I want you to picture yourself giving it to Jesus today. Is it disappointment? Is it sickness? Is it pain? Some kind of addiction you're trying to work out on your own? Some mindset, some doubt, some broken dreams? The Lord is restoring our dreams again. The Lord's restoring dreams to us. The dreams we had going into 2020. I've been rewinding the tape. Jeff preached a series on faith in the beginning of the year. Remember with a little acorn. I think it was more prophetic than he knew or we knew at the time. Because it's faith that gets us through moments like this. That's just as much of a now word in November as it was in January. And I believe the Lord is about, to, is about to release something like the gift of faith in the room. The ability to believe for what God's believing for. So Holy Spirit right now, I'm asking that you could do, that you would do what none of us can do. But I'm asking you for the impossible. I'm asking you. That, Lord, that you would do things that are so far beyond our wildest dreams and expectations. But I thank you that, Lord, this has been a wild ride of a year. But, Lord, you, you have some surprises in store for us. You have some hope in store for us. You have some joy in store for us. Lord, I thank you for the joy of salvation. Come on, somebody right now, you're getting the joy of salvation back. Some of you, you're getting the joy of salvation back. It's bubbling up on the inside of you. Holy Spirit, right now, 
Those of you in the room that are worship leaders, musicians, I just kept hearing the Lord say, he's about to release songs. He's about to release worship from the wilderness. And your worship in the wilderness will drive the giants out of your promised land. The worship you're giving, the sacrifice of praise you're bringing now is doing a work in the heavenlies and already going forth to do a work in your future. I just believe that the Lord's about to bring us in He's about to bring us in to a season of the sounds of heaven. Lord, I thank you for the worship that's coming out of the wilderness, the praise that's coming out of the desolation. Because Lord, you are our good and your mercies endure forever. And Lord, I thank you right now for your goodness, your loving kindness. But I thank you for the prophetic gift that's being stirred up right now in the hearts of people. I didn't want to say this, but I came to the scripture today, this morning, and uh, I was reading it this morning as I was preparing to come. And the Lord convicted me, even as a prophetic guy. The scripture that says, do not despise prophecy, but hold on to what is pure. And I think sometimes we get to a place where we don't even want to hear another prophetic word. I think sometimes we even get to a place where we don't even want to remember the word that's over our life. It would be easier to forget. But I'm telling you right now, God's about to release something that heals the word in you, that heals the promise in you, and the prophetic in you. And you're about to revisit it. One of my prophetic statements I've made for years over people is this. No more death by disappointment. And brother, looking just straight ahead with your sunglasses on the head. It's a specific word for you today. No more death by disappointment. And I just felt like that you're a guy who's all in. And you've just kind of like, you don't ever have a plan B. It's just, I'm all in. This is what I'm excited about. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm creating. This is what I'm building. And it's like in the midst of it, you've had people turn on you, tell you you're crazy, all kinds of accusations and swirl around you. But I felt like the Lord said, you're going to watch the Lord have the last word. And he's about to bring an army of people around you because that this is a season where the Lord said, I'm creating opportunity and I'm creating a grace in, in the space for you. And I felt like it's like you don't have anything to fall back on. And like if this doesn't work, you don't have anything to go back on. You're, you're all in. I'm going to put it in a, even a greater way. You're wholehearted. And there's something about wholeheartedness that the Lord is so attracted to. So Lord, I just bless him right now with every breakthrough that is needed, every provision that needs to come. But I feel like there's things that need to happen even before December 31st for him. Or that everything is in the balance. Lord, he's just hung everything out there. So Lord, I just released the breakthrough and the provision Lord, I thank you right now that he's not lost hope. That Lord, today, that Lord, you're about to release that resurrection life into every dream. Into Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Honey, I think it's kind of like a brownish orange shirt. You're looking at me, black hair. Yeah, you just smiled. Yeah, you just turned and looked at your friend. 
Honey, I just saw the hand of the Lord come upon you. And it was like um, the Lord was handing you this diploma. And it was like, to me, it didn't just represent a graduation into the next, but it was like God was giving you his credentials. And it was like you had the backing of heaven. You had like in the same way as it was handed to you, kind of like as a diploma, I also saw it like a baton. And I feel like that the Lord is about to hand something off to you that you're going to carry and you're going to run with. And then you're going to keep passing it on. But I just felt like the Lord said to tell you that, that you are a success, but you're going to have great success in this next season. And I just felt like the Lord said, don't allow yourself to get caught up in comparison because there's no one like him and there's no one like you. And I just felt like the Lord is about to bring you. It's like other people are going to want to compete with you, but just keep your eyes fixed on him. And I just felt like the Lord is, is setting some things straight and in motion. It's kind of like, I don't know how to explain it, but I felt an acceleration and a momentum coming out of the year for you uh, into the next. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So Lord, I thank you right now for your word, for the prophetic word that's come, uh, Lord, over the last uh, bit. Lord, uh, I believe this first service and second service Similar, but completely different at the same time. So, Lord, would you join uh, those two messages and prophetic words and, uh, Lord, build on them. Lord, every word that came from you, let it take root and produce fruit. Any place where I got in the way, Lord, let it fall to the ground, be forgotten and forgive me for it. But, Lord, I believe every word that comes from you will accomplish everything you sent it out to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I break off every frustration. And Lord, I release the body of Christ. I release Grace Center. I release my friends, my brothers and sisters into a new season of divine expectation. Expand your expectation. And let the Lord expand your expectation through the remainder of the year. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening.